Well, you know, we've been on a series on um, experiencing the impossible. We've been actually talking about things that actually can stop us from experiencing all that God has for us. And, and it kind of just kind of just worked its way uh, through when we're going through uh, Elijah and Haggai, working its way through talking about areas of depression, of fear, of anxi- you know, anxiety. And those things have been uh, popping up in us. So I've asked a couple, two couples to come up with us because they have a heart to help people who are dealing with uh, depression, who are dealing with anxiety, who are dealing with some mental health issues. And mental health is a big deal in our nation because of uh, whatever reason, I mean, a lot of people are experiencing it. I've told you my own story of depression and, and, uh, and having to, uh, to battle uh, the fears and, that come with that. And, and so I wanted them to come up. We're going to be talking a few things, and they're going to share a little bit what's on their heart to help people, and maybe you can be involved in it a little bit later. And I'm going to give you some points on what to take home with you today. But uh, let's give these guys a hand. Amen? <laughs> this over here is Jason and Shelly Byerly, and this is Lance and Lindsay Tomlin, if you don't know who they are. They've been uh, members of our church for many years now. And uh, uh, I'm going to ask them a few questions. They're going to kind of talk about some of the things that maybe that they have dealt with. Um, because every one of us here are, uh, have dealt with some issues of fear, of depression, um, and so uh, of rejection. How many of you guys have ever been rejected before? Raise your hand. Amen. And so, um, and so we need to learn some, just really some ways that we can handle it. So... Um, Guys, I know you guys all have, have, have dealt with some issues, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's an addiction or something. Um, what does that feel like to be in uh, a mental health crisis in some ways? Um, for me, um, I always kind of felt like, and I think this is a fairly common thing to think that um, depression or anxiety is all in your head. It's a mind thing. Um, and I know I've been told that before, that it's just in your head. Um, and I know that that would seem very logical if you've never experienced it. Um, I think it starts in your head. And as believers, we know we're supposed to take all of our thoughts captive. And if you can quickly take your thoughts captive, you would never struggle with depression or anxiety. But the enemy is so sneaky. He is so sly. And I like to say um, he, can't, he can't tell the full truth, but he can tell partial truths. Right. And I believe he's very good at that, telling a partial truth to make it sound like truth so that you believe it. Um, he knows the word probably better than we do, so he likes to use the word against you. And um, for myself, that's kind of where, where it started. I would have such – mine became very physical because I didn't recognize it as – thoughts and lies. Um, I went to countless doctors over a period of time trying to find out why my stomach hurt so bad, why I was losing weight. I lost probably 15 pounds in a matter of a month um, and couldn't eat and couldn't sleep and I would shake. I would have tremors and I just, something was terribly wrong with me. And a doctor suggested at some point, do you think it could be anxiety? No, this is real. This is a real thing. Um, so 
I struggled physically and I struggled emotionally and um, it became very, very physical and it wasn't something I could just control with my thoughts anymore. Yeah, I don't think a lot of times we realize how much um, what we're thinking about and what we're living up here affects the whole person, right? As a man thinks, so is he, right? And so it's so important that we realize that it's not just, it's not in your head. In the sense of, and when, people, when we say that, it's, not in, it's just in your head. That means there's nothing wrong. That's what we're telling people. Oh, there's really nothing wrong. Just get over it. But it's not a lot of times that easy because it affects every part of who you are a lot of times. And, uh, and sometimes we're just not even realizing what's going on. That, listen, maybe I am having anxiety. Maybe I, I, I am having that. And the, and, the, and the thing about it is just to recognize it so you understand where you are. You can't go anywhere unless you understand where you are right now, right? Yeah? Anybody else? Yeah, for me, um, it was more of a, I felt like I was fighting moment by moment in my mind. Like it was a torment of the mind of fear, um, a ton of fear. And um, it, it was definitely, anxiety was definitely a physical thing, too. I had lost a lot of weight. I couldn't keep weight on. Um, I sh my body, I woke up at the same time every day shaking um, and not knowing why. And, and it's a scary feeling um, because we're taught to take our thought captive. But it was honestly every moment of every day trying to fight the fears right. and the torment that was there and crying out to God, like, set me free. I mean, you know, I went to a deliverance ministry thinking I needed deliverance and still it was there. And it was a year process of finally seeking counseling, um, seeking help. And, um, and what, that's where I'm at today where I'm healthy. Um, but I didn't know what it was because I'd never experienced it before. It was a scary feeling of feeling out of control inside your own self. And that's a really scary feeling. Right. Um, yeah. And thinking that you did something wrong. Like I was just like, God, what have I done? What yeah. have I done? And um, so those are the thoughts that you're having during oh, this time, yeah. right? Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Thoughts that I'm wrong. Uh, what's Everybody else is happy. Or that's your, your, your viewpoint is probably not completely true, right? But when you're in the time of depression, you know, you begin to think thoughts that no one cares. Uh, no one knows what I'm going through. And it becomes the enemy. It's, it's, now, listen, it's an attack of the enemy. Let's get that straight, okay? It is a spiritual attack of the enemy. This is, depression is not of God. God never uh, authored it. And you've got to realize that. But because of where we're at in our society, I mean, it just seems like it's even in, in believers' life. I mean, I'm a, I, I believe I'm a man of faith. I, I, I believe that. I'm strong in that. I'm, I'm in the Word every single day. But why did I go, get into a place of depression? And I didn't lose weight, dang it. I, I gained weight. <laughs> dang it. <laughs> I don't understand that. Anyway, um... Because I just, I like the cookies, and they, they make me feel better. <laughs> but we're in a, in a place where we have thoughts that are saying that you're no good. And that even leads to more depression 
And that's why we do need to capture our thoughts. But sometimes it's very, very hard. I mean, we, people deal with this not just in depression or fear and anxiety. You can deal with sin. Other, just like, just like issues of gossip. You're gossiping and you're knowing, I really shouldn't be saying these things. But you continue. You know that type of thing. And so we have to capture a thought, but sometimes we have just have been constant hitting and the dam has broken. And we're just filled with all this lies that our life is not getting any better, right? And it's not getting any better. And we're feeling like, be honest with you, God, is your word true? I don't know if it is. And we come to that place. And you come to fear and anxiety. Now, there's no judgment here. Because most likely, every one of us in some way has come to that place in some part of our lives. Now, is God's word true? Definitely. Definitely. But sometimes it's hard to believe. In the midst of trials, in the midst of this world, in the midst of the enemy, it's sometimes hard to believe. Anybody, what are the thoughts that you guys had when you guys were dealing with some of those things? It was um, just looking at anxiety and depression. There's the individual that goes through it, and then there's the impact that it causes on those around them. Mm. Um, and when, when Shelly walked us out, um, it took, it was a year process, like she said, but it was, it went beyond that. This is something that started two or three years ago. Um, and, it, and it was just the little things. It was little triggers being in certain places, um, just the experience of life that we go through. And, uh, and I think that uh, a lot of times in that we focus so much on the person that's going through the anxiety, the depression, or the addiction that, you know, we forget that there's a, their spouses involved. There's families involved. Um, you know, we went through a, uh, a really hard time where it's, <clears throat> as, as a husband specifically, you know, we're fix it, we're Mr. Fix it, especially in my case. <laughs> um, you know, I, it doesn't matter whether it's a garbage disposal of a light switch, I'm gonna fix it. And, and when, when you're up against an enemy that you cannot fix, you don't know how to overcome it. Um, she doesn't wanna get out of bed in the morning. She doesn't, she doesn't wanna experience life. Um, you know, we, we were uh, at a movie theater one time and, and literally had to leave the movie theater because of the anxiety. And it, and it was just 45 minutes of, of driving around and, and, and talking. It's, um, you know, going through moments in life <clears throat> where it, it's even though there's, there's, there's not marital problems, it's, it's even to the intensity sometimes it's where she just felt like she couldn't get better, she couldn't see herself through the hole, and it was just like, just take the kids and go. Because, well, she would rather shoulder that herself than to watch her husband and her kids. And that's what's real. It's, it's watching your kids in the morning when we had a plan to go somewhere and those plans changed because there's an enemy that is out there to kill, steal, and destroy. 
Anxiety and depression is a weapon that, that we see right now. It's running rampant and almost unchecked. Um, and, and, it, and it starts with, the first thing it starts with is recognizing that there's an issue. And it's, it's going outside of, of what makes you feel comfortable. Shelly felt really comfortable to talk to me and, and to e express the feelings that she had to me. But to go outside of that, it was, what are people going to think? You know, when, when we serve on the prayer team and we serve in, we served in children's ministry, we served in so many things, what are people going to think? I felt like that. What are people going to think when the Byerleys aren't, aren't the perfect Christian family? You know, it, going through the anxiety and the depression did not mean we were less Christians. You know, it did not mean there was anything wrong. That's right. Um, with, <clears throat> with anything, you know, it, there's a lot of people that are praying like, well, what is the door that you open to the enemy? There has to be something in your life that you've opened up. Like Shelly said, sometimes it's just that it's these little thoughts that are, they're so deceptive and they're so sly and they slip in and before you know it, and it's like a burglar in the night, you're getting robbed while you're asleep and you don't even know it. Yeah. You wake up to an empty house. Yeah. You wake up to devastation. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good. What things do you think hinder your healing? What, what are things that are coming against when you're in the struggle, when you're in the times of depression, in times of anxiety and fear, what hinders that, that breakthrough in your life? Being alone. That's good. Um, for me, you know, my husband was raised with the idea that you don't dwell on negative thoughts and negativity isn't isn't the way to live so you know you need to you need to just stop thinking that way think positive think positive think positive um and i would be told that and i would be told you know well you just need to pray more you just need to you need to thank the lord through this time you just need to worship more turn on worship music and just praise him and um those are all absolutely tools for sure they are tools worship I say that is my therapy, <laughs> so I definitely agree with those things, but um, I feel like, you know, we talk about how you're supposed to be taking your thoughts captive and things. Sometimes that, that mental torment, the constant lies, the constancy of that, yeah. we get tired, yeah. and so to say, get over it, think positive, it's like, I am and I can't tell you how many times I would say, I'm trying. If I could change this, if I could think better, I would. If I could, if I could be over this, I would have done it by day one. It's torture. And um, I like to tell people, my little Rhett, who's seven years old now, he saved my life. <laughs> because about a week before I found out I was pregnant with him, I was trying to figure out a way to escape life. And I, I'm afraid of blood and I don't like to feel sick. So that was a really complicated path of figuring out how can I do this without experiencing any of those things. But I had come up with a plan and I knew how I was gonna do it. I just, we were planning on taking a family vacation. So I really kind of wanted to wait until that was over. Um, was hoping maybe there would be some kind of turnaround in the next week. Um, <laughs> And there wasn't until we got home and I just wasn't feeling right. And I was getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. I decided to take a test 
and I was pregnant. Um, and this is after my husband had a vasectomy. So we tried everything. <laughs> we tried everything to not have that happen. Um, we had a vasectomy because we were done, and I was done dealing with, you know, just stress. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. <laughs> so to find out I was pregnant, I was angry. Did you get a refund? No, no, we didn't. <laughs> no, we were paying a vasectomy bill and a, <laughs> and a delivery bill at the same time. Felt very ironic. But me knowing that I had another life inside of me, I knew I could not, I could not take my own anymore. Um, that began my journey of trying to find out what was wrong. Um, and for me, you know, we mentioned deliverance ministry. I, I want to be very, very clear on this because I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Um, deliverance prayers were actually very hurtful for me. And let me explain why. I would come forward and ask for prayer and it would be, you know, get out in Jesus name and be gone in Jesus name. And I wanted it so bad. And I would walk away with the same feelings and the same anxiety. Um, and I really began to question God. I really began to feel like I'm falling away from my faith here because you're not showing up. You said you would, but you're not. And I'm not feeling any better. Wow. And what I came to realize is that I didn't trust that the Lord's intentions for me were always for my good. And I hadn't believed that in a long time. I hadn't believed that he was good. I had a lot of experiences in my childhood where um, childhood and even just through marriage and stuff, just things that have happened where it's like, why, God? Why would you do that? This is a good person. Why them? So seeing that and experiencing that so many times, I didn't trust that the Lord's intentions for me were always going to be for my good. So I didn't trust him. I didn't have a close relationship with him. I didn't turn to him when I struggled. Um, so for me, there was no deliverance that was going to happen on the front row during prayer time because I had a journey that the Lord wanted to take me on where he would show me his faithfulness in the little things, mm -hmm. the small things, the insignificant things to everybody else in the world, but they were significant to me, and he would show his faithfulness. I would go to the grocery store after having a prayer time, and somebody would just randomly say, the exact words that the Lord had spoken to me. And it was like, that was God. And I cannot replace that journey and that experience and those times with the Lord for anything. I, I would tell people I would never want to have to go through what I've already been through. It was, it was a piece of hell on earth, honestly. Sure. I would never want to do that again, but I would never trade all the things that I went through my relationship with my husband, the conversations with my kids, the friendships. Um, I remember Lisa coming over to the house one day when I was struggling and wanting to pray, and I was honestly dreading it because I thought, here we go again. Someone's going to try and pray this away, and it's not going away. Um, but Lisa came, and we prayed over other people, and we just prayed over just different things. And it was like, for once in my life, I wasn't focused on me and how desperate I was. But in those moments of desperation where I would seek the Lord, I remember feeling like I, I would trade my life 
for God's peace right now. And have, if, if God had come through, and he does, and many times, he supernaturally comes through and delivers somebody from fear and torment. He absolutely does. But had that been the case for me where it had just been gone on a Sunday when I prayed for it, I would never have come to know the Lord in the way I know him now. And now I know when I begin to feel those feelings of anxiety because he never leaves. The enemy never leaves. He never retreats with plans that have worked in the past. He knows they work. He will be back. So when he comes back, I now know the faithfulness of the Lord, and I know he will come. My favorite song is the Lazarus song where it says, you came. I knew that you would come. So when I begin to struggle, it used to be weeks and weeks and weeks of struggle. It's now a day because I know I need to turn on my worship music. I need to turn on prayer. I need to lay and rest and relax. Some of us need to learn to relax and slow down. Um, And I want to put one more thing out there that for me, along with counseling, um, I took medicine. Mic drop. (laughs) Because I know there's a lot of opinions on taking an antidepressant or anti-anxiety meds. And I want to explain the scientific fact that a doctor explained to me because I think we have to understand that while it is a very spiritual thing, it does become physical and it changes chemistries in your body. So a doctor, as I was literally contemplating checking myself into a mental hospital, he began to explain to me how an antidepressant works. Um, We talk about the adrenaline and anxiety and how it's that fight or flight hormone. It's literally a hormone that's released in your body and it's meant for your good. But it's actually a true hormone that is released in your body. It's called cortisol. When your body releases cortisol, it's meant to be a temporary thing, and then it comes back down. When you're living in a constant state of stress or anxiety or fear, that cortisol continues to get released over and over and over and over until it's actually at a maximum point in your body, which is what causes the panic attacks, the anxiety attacks, the depression, the, the rage, all of those things that come along with it. That level continues to get put out and put out and put out. You have natural serotonin, another hormone in your body. You have natural serotonin that continues to try and fight and get to the same level as that cortisol because serotonin calms you down and relaxes you. But when the cortisol is so high and the serotonin is down here, it's literally a chemical imbalance. And those high levels of cortisol affect your kidneys, they affect your adrenal function, they affect everything in your body. So there are times where, you know, we talk about natural ways, eating healthy, taking out caffeine, there are tons of natural ways to fight that cortisol and get it to come back down. And and they all work. Um, You can also do different vitamins and things, Um, relaxing and prayer, all of those things. If you can cut out some stress in your life, you can naturally bring that cortisol down. Okay, the things that were stressful in my life, my husband works a really intense job and he's gone a lot and it's stressful. I have four children, three dogs, and two cats. It's the cats. could be. It really could be. 
But all of those things, I can't get rid of my kids, okay? Like, you, I can't you can get, get rid, rid of, of cats. them. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't make my husband quit his job to stay home and tend to me because I'm having a hard time. I can't make my kids stop their activities. So for me, and I'm looking at my life, there are very few things that I could truly cut out that were going to reduce my stress level to a point where I was not suicidal anymore. And so for me, I needed medicine to be able to help raise my serotonin level so that my cortisol would eventually lower itself. So can I just say there is no shame if you need to take medicine. I want to be the first to say that because I didn't believe that it was a good thing to take in the past. But now understanding it, I am so thankful that the Lord provides those means to heal. Because praise God, I was healed by the Lord through his many ways of healing. Amen. So. You know, um, someone told me a long time ago, it says, Sean, there's not a demon in everything. And, uh, and a lot of times we think, it, definitely there is something spiritual going on. There's no spiritual attack. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't mean that what you're going through needs to be cast out. There's something that you're going through that needs to be healed. So you gotta, when you pray for people, you've got to see, you've got to really be led by the Spirit of God. What do you really need, and where is your faith? And, where, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, I mean where, what are you believing for? Where are you at? And, uh, and sometimes it's just not a casting out, because we can go through, through the Bible, and you can see there's spirits attached to a lot of things. There's spirits attached to sickness, but when you start sneezing, should I cast a demon out of you? You know, it's, it's the same thing with fear. Now, fear is a spirit, but a lot of times it's not the spirit of fear as much as it is an imbalance that's been happening over and over and over in your life that's causing, uh, really, in a sense, a cancer in your life. Um, and that's why a lot of people get to a place of suicide. And a lot of people, you know, they think, well, it's, it's selfish and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times that's their only, only thought is that that's their only idea of how to really live is to die. Because you get, if you've ever seen someone who has cancer, and I hate cancer, it wears you out. Any kind of real sickness. I remember when I was, I was, I was sick. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't. No one was helping me. No doctor was saying anything good. Nothing was helping. I was to the point, was tired. It was killing me. I wanted to die. Because I didn't want to live like that any longer. Cancer patients, if, if there's no healing, there's no help, it's to the point you want to die. Right? People who are at extreme depression because of some things in their life because of actions of thoughts it could be the enemy it could be what you eat it could be a number of uh, multiple things coming against them they want to die because they see no way out and death actually looks good because when you're living and dying God never intended that to happen right I'm not giving reason for to commit suicide. I'm not giving reason for that. God has a plan. God has a place. I think she said it. She felt alone. And that's why we as believers need to be there for one another, not in judgment, but in say here, I will walk the journey with you.
Amen? So what are some things that could help you, help people going through that? What are some of the things that helped you going through those things? One thing I wanted to say when you were talking about deliverance and all of that, um, a really good friend of mine, Kelly Parr, she looked at me and she said, Shelly, you can't cast out a broken heart. Oh, that's good. She said you can't cast out a broken heart. Wow. And um, my story is I had a lot of trauma in my childhood. And just not a, it was, you know, a really bad childhood. And um, I didn't realize, but I, um, going to a counselor, found out that I had PTSD because I had a lot of traumatic stuff take place. And he explained to me that trauma gets stored in your body um, as a child because you have no way to express it. You have no way to get out of the situations that you're put in. And so the trauma is just stored inside. So I went through a process of inner healing. And um, the Lord would give me a dream about, like, say, for instance, like I was abducted by one of my stepdads. And I would kept on having this dream reoccur over and over. And so I finally went to the counselor and I told him, I said, I keep on having memories of this. And so we would just um, talk about it. And then he would pray and ask Jesus just to come. And, um, and I would close my eyes and I'm a seer. So I see in the spirit and Jesus would show me, he literally showed me where he was when I was in the back huddled up in a ball he was literally engulfed around me Mm. and in that process um, before he showed me that my whole body was shaking like convulsing um, because of the trauma so but after he showed me where he was my body relaxed and little by little each session that I went through um, like now I don't have I don't have any anxiety. I don't shake anymore. Um, I need to go through that process. So each person's story is different, what they need. And so I love how Lindsay shared hers. And then God knew what I needed. And he placed me with the right counselor of what I needed. Um, So um, counselor for sure is, has been, I was so scared to go to a counselor because I thought in my mind, like, I must be really jacked up if I have to go to see a counselor. Like, I don't know why I felt that way, but I did. And, um, and I was so scared I was going to go in there and he'd just be, like, judging me. You know, like, oh, girl, you got issues, you know? And, <laughs> That's <laughs> what mine he, said. <laughs> <laughs> but he just sat with me and was so sweet and just listened to me talk. And I just told him, I said, honestly, I don't want you to label me. Please don't just start throwing out labels like you're this and you're that and you've got this. I said, just talk with me. And he did. He was so gentle. And we just talked about life. And um, it took me several sessions to get comfortable enough to start opening up about the deep things and the dark thoughts that I was having. And um, and it, it was just a beautiful process. So counseling was amazing. My husband... I would just tell him sometimes, like, I didn't need him to talk or fix anything. I just need you to hold me. I need you to just yeah. just hold me. Um, because anxiety makes you feel really uneasy all the time inside. 
Like I would put um, blankets on or like I have a gravity blanket. Um, I don't really need any more. It makes me hot. But through that season, <laughs> it was a nice feeling of like feeling safe because you don't feel safe when you have anxiety. Right. You don't feel safe at That's all. True. At any moment, you just, you know, just feel like you're just about to have a panic attack and can't breathe and hyperventilate. So, yeah, um, worship music was just my lifeline. I mean, my lifeline. Um, uh, my Ring of Fire girls, um, I still met with them, our prayer group, and they prayed through. They didn't judge me. They loved me through it. Sure. Um, Kelly and Bob Parr, um, they're some really good friends of ours. And they were in town, and they us- they live in Florida, and they're usually not here, and they were here a lot. And uh, just, it was so amazing because it just seemed like God placed people strategically in my life. Like one lady, her name's Marianne, she literally just felt like God was telling her to hold me, like a child needed to be held. And I laid in her arms and just wept. And I didn't even know this lady. So God knew <laughs> what I needed. <laughs> And That's if any true. of you guys are struggling, he knows what you need. And yeah. he's going to put people in your path. He's going to give you the right songs, like Jen, uh, Jen Johnson's song from Bethel, You're Going to Be Okay. Yeah. I played That's that good. over and over because I would wake up in the morning shaking, scared, and you're going to be okay. <laughs> One step closer, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I mean, um, so, yeah, that was for me what helped me. Um, I also want to encourage, um, I want to encourage some of the spouses and some of the um, parents who maybe have somebody who is struggling because um, we have a video and we'll play it here in a minute, but the statistics are that nearly half the people in this room are affected by mental illness in some way or another, whether it's yourself or whether it's a family member. Um, you are not alone. That's right. You're not alone. I can speak on behalf of the spouses. You know, we have authority. The word says we have authority, and that's not just husbands. When we took that vow of marriage, you know, that was both. That binds us together. And there were moments I would come home from work, or I would, <clears throat> we would be out somewhere, I'd come home, and Shelly would be laying on the floor in our room with it totally black, And it was one of these times where she's like, just hold me. And it was when God started to give me um, words to speak, uh, vision. I started experiencing vision that was so impactful. And it was was going out on a limb for me. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but I I see a tree. And, And I just started, you know, dissecting this vision that I saw. And it's those moments that... Uh, not only was did healing yeah. start to happen, also um, just in the relationship of the stress that we'd gone through. But I, it was that realization that I'm there for her and she's there for me, and it's we know God is in between. So there, there. Whereas before, the anxiety and the depression was something that was between us. That that gap was filled with that. And in those moments, I saw the depression, the darkness. The anxiety disappeared, and I just saw a wholeness of God between us. When it's being such a gracious father, he reached out and let me be the one to deliver words to her that she needed to hear, to let me be the one 
that needed to see the path for her. Not saying that that's always how it happens, but when you're at that point that you don't know what to do, it's amazing what the spiritual growth that you're open to when you're just willing to let go and just let God do whatever he needs to do. Right. And one of the uh, visions that he had, um, he's, he's seen me at the feet of Father God, and um, he, Father God reached down, and he picked me up and placed me on his chest against him. And he, he was just holding me, and he was telling me what he was seeing. And I literally, that, I could picture that in my mind, and that was something that got me through months because uh, I was like Lindsay, like I had a lot of head knowledge of God and who he was, like he's my savior, he's my protection, but I didn't know it inside. I didn't trust that he was good. I, I didn't know that he was good, honestly. Right. I do now, yeah. and that's why I had to go through this journey, and I have such a relationship with him now, like no one can tell me that he's not faithful. No one can tell me that he's not trustworthy. He always shows up, always, every single day, Every moment of every day, like now for me, like I'm like, I'm at, set, at a place that's such a peace that like I don't have to rely on him every moment, every, every day where I'm just like, even though I know he's with me, I feel like I miss you. Yeah. You know, yeah. because that's how close he was mm-hmm. through this time. So Amen. I just wanted to share that. Amen. That's good. You know, um. Uh, John Hopkins just did a, uh, 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 what's that called? Study. Study, that's what it is. <laughs> My mind just went blank. Of, uh, of, of suicide. <laughs> and uh, they said uh, suicide rates drops quite a bit when they have someone to talk to. Substantially, it goes way down the percentage if there's someone there. They have a heart for a ministry they want to start and to be that somebody. So kind of explain that and cue the uh, video. I finally get to talk. <laughs> no, no I, our heart is, is just exactly what Pastor Sean said, is to, to do this with you guys, to do this with people. Um, we were talking, um, which we do a lot, and... <laughs> She's like, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to call it? How are we going to work it? What's it going to look like? And it's like the Holy Spirit just, it literally, I didn't even say anything. I think it just said life support. And it hit me because I know it was the Holy Spirit because I would have never thought that on my own. But it was just like, that's what it's here for, is to support people in life. And, it, you know, life support we all think of as the last-ditch effort if you're in the hospital, right? They're on life support. If, they, if life support won't keep them alive until whatever heals or whatever, it's over. And... Um, and that's what this is, is we want to connect people. We want to facilitate healing. Um, none of us are licensed counselors. None of us have psychological degrees. None of us have counseling degrees, although that's not to say that we won't in the future. But we all have a heart to help people. We all have a heart to bring to light what, honestly, sometimes in the church, you don't talk about this stuff because you're afraid of what people in the church will think about you or your family, or your spouse. And so we've trained ourselves and through years and decades of not talking about it because I don't want people to think a certain way about me or about my family. So we want to break that paradigm, honestly. Like, your story is important. I mean, her shirt she wore it today on purpose is, 
It is. You have a story. And your story needs to be told. That's right. It's not just important, but you need to share it. And so we want to facilitate, and we're starting a non-for-profit. It's really simple. It's going to be called Life Support. And it's going to be based to help connect people to resources in the city, and the area, who knows, in the country so that need this, that don't want to instead um, act out in violence or take their own life or um, affect or hurt others because they don't know how to deal with it. Right. And, they, and so let's stop perpetuating the cycle. So our heart here, um, and we, we need anybody that wants to be a part of it. Honestly, this isn't about us. It's about helping others. Um, our, our goal um, is to create some sort of a telephone line or text line, um, and that's how we're going to connect with people um, to where when they're struggling, they can call or text and say, I just need someone to talk to for a minute. I'm, I'm struggling, and we can offer prayer, and we can offer just words of encouragement. Some of the most encouraging things for me was when somebody said, I'm not going anywhere. You're doing great. I know this is hard, but you're doing great. Don't give up. It's not over. There is hope. It's, it won't last forever. Those words were hope. They were the light at the end of the tunnel. And so for me, what the enemy wanted to destroy me with, I am turning around and saying, nope, you didn't destroy me and you won't destroy anybody else that I come into contact with. Because I refuse to let anybody let shame or fear of what somebody else thinks keep them from getting the help. It is so okay to say, I'm not okay right now. And I need some help. And we as the church, we've got to be at the forefront of that to where they know these are the people I know I can go to because they're not going to judge me. They're not going to expect me to just get over it. They're going to love me through this. So that is our goal. And um, we need a lot of people that are willing to say, I would take a call like that to say, you're going to be okay. I'm here with you. How can I pray for you? What do you need right now? What are you worried about right now that I can reassure you with? Um, we aren't counselors, so we can't give advice. And if we feel like it's time for somebody to actually seek counseling, we have a full list of resources for somebody to reach out to a counselor. Our goal is, as a non-for-profit, to be able to accept donations to sponsor people with counseling if they can't afford it themselves. There should be no reason that somebody cannot reach out for help. So we want to be one of those resources. Um, and, you know, my shirt saying your story is important, we talk about this, that it's like if somebody had shared my story at some point along the road, it would have been like, oh, thank God I'm not alone. Thank God I'm not the only one who struggles. So for me, who better to talk to somebody who is struggling with fear and anxiety than somebody who says, oh, girl, I've been there. I know exactly what you're feeling right now. I have been there, but you know what? God is good, and he's right here, and he's not going anywhere either. Right. Same thing with grief or divorce. Who better than somebody who's lost a, a family member or lost a spouse or lost a child? to talk to somebody else who's dealing with the same thing than somebody who has walked that journey. Amen. 
somebody who's dealing with a messy divorce and they don't see how they're ever going to find joy again. Who better to talk to than somebody who has been through that divorce and they're on the other side and they can tell you this pain doesn't last forever. That's our goal. If we can cue the video and that'll give a good vision. Let's give these guys a hand, amen. You know, um, Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in, the, in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. You know, mental illness is not a new phenomenon. It's something that's been around, and we can see it even in some biblical characters and how they actually ran through it. And I want you to know there is hope. And I want to give you four things real quickly. You can take the notes. If you have our Bible, app, um, our church app, you can, it's on there too. But number one, I want you, I want you to know something, something that's been talked about up here quite a bit, is number one, don't go at it alone. If you want to walk in freedom... You need to ask someone to go on the journey with you. Jesus did the same thing, right? So in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus brought along with him Peter and the sons of Zebedee and had them pray. And this is what he said in Matthew 26, 36. Sit here while I go over there and pray. And, and taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be very sorrowful and troubled. Now listen, what Jesus was going through, none of us has ever gone through. This was a very extreme. This was the weight, the sin of all the world, past, present, and future being put on them. All the anxiety ever, there ever was was on Jesus at this time. All the depression was on Jesus. Everything that was ever caused because of sin. Because sin causes everything. You understand that? From the Garden of Eden on, sin caused everything. And this was being placed on Jesus. And so he's sorrowful and troubled. And then verse 38 then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. So Jesus was even experienced what, what some definitely were experienced, what depression and hurt and pain and separation can ha have with you. And so he brought these, these three people with him because he needed them. He needed them to come and pray with him. Listen, don't go at it alone. If Jesus needed people, you and I need people. 
we need someone. Ask it. This is a safe place, and we try to make it. And I've, 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 I've talked about my own issues with this, this thing. Do not go at it alone. You can call me. You can call them. You can call anybody in this body. Call a counselor. Get help. Don't go through depression, anxiety, all that alone. Number two, you need to run to God. And this is what Jesus did in verse 39. He says, going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed. God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you. He is here for you. And he wants you to understand that. And we see that. The Holy Spirit says that he intercedes for us. Romans 8, 27. He cries out for you when you can't even form your words. He knows your, your, what's, what the sounds of despair that you're going through in Romans 8, 26. But just remain steadfast. And, and Psalms 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Run to God. Get others around you. And run to God. Make sure you get others around you that will run with you to the Lord. Amen? Number three, you got to realize it's not your fault. It may not be your fault at all. Sin is, is rampant through this world. Sin causes death. Depression came in because of sin. It's not because of your sin. It may not be because of your family's sin. It just is a part that has been attacking people in this life. And it may not be your fault. God is not there. And a lot of times when we think it's our fault, we think God is against us. God is not against you. Jesus took it upon the cross for you and I. So you've got to remember it's not your fault. And number four, God, let God's word speak to you. You know, the Bible isn't afraid to talk about mental illness and emotional anguish. We look, at, look at Job. Look at the Psalms of Lament. And uh, which is the largest category of the book of Psalms. There are the, these are songs that, that uh, people are crying out to God in despair. Psalms 25, 16 says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Psalms 42, 5 says, Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, it says. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. In Psalms 88, Three, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draw nears to Shiloh. You know, even in these Psalms of Lament, they end positively, reminding all of us, the hearers of God's faithfulness. So you run to God. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not conform to the pattern or the age, the thinking of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you run to God, Run to his word. Let it bring life to you. Amen? So don't go at it alone. Get somebody with you. Run to God. Remember, it's, it's not your fault. And get into his word. His word will clean, cleanse you. And as you're on this journey, it's going to be okay. I promise you. I'm on the other side of that. Because um, I did that. I, I, I got somebody else. I got counselors. You know, sometimes you need a friend. Sometimes you need a pastor. Sometimes you need a counselor. There is that in this body alone. You can receive help, and we want to help you with that. Amen? God has it for you. Run to him. It's not your fault. Get into his word. And on the other side of it, there is hope.
It doesn't mean I'm not attacked. It doesn't mean that it doesn't, there isn't temptation. It doesn't mean I don't have to continue to walk out my life as a believer loving Jesus. But I tell you what, it's better on the other side. And if you're dealing with those things right now, I want to pray with you.